0: Good morning. Hey, forgot to turn my mic on. So, um, got a quick question that we'll open up with this morning. Have you ever done something without fully thinking it through? Yeah, I don't even need to go on anymore, do I? And then you realize that was a terrible decision. So, um, I remember... Uh, I probably have shared this story before, I believe, but it was my first, I think even my first month working here at the church as a youth minister, and it was after youth group one night, and a certain youth asked me, he saw I had a truck, he had a truck, we both liked to go mudding, and he asked me if I wanted to go mudding, and uh, Lyman's over there shaking his head like, oh yeah, I remember that, Um, because I have like a 50-year plan of staying here with you all, that's my plan. And I thought I wasn't going to make it past a month after that night. Because I remember we go and this youth is like, hey, I got this place that we could go mudding. And I'm like, sweet. And he's like, it's right behind my house. I'm like, awesome. We must have permission. Let's not ask. And so we go and we go romping. I, I did not realize his definition of mudding was a pond. And so we get going and we drive through this pond and we drive back through and we're going through it real easily and everything. And then all of a sudden it was like that was a little too easy. Let's do two-wheel drive. Four-wheel drive is just simple enough. And so he goes through and two-wheel drive gets out. But he slowed down just enough that I had to stop. And then I tried going again and I just sank. And when I say I sunk and I was stuck, there was no moving. My truck still has, I call it character, other people call it dents, but it still has in the bumper a crease where we tried chaining up and pulling me out, and my bumper just started collapsing on it. It's forever going to remind me of that wonderful time where I first met Lyman, and his exact words to me were, I'm not too sure about you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're great friends now Lyman so but anyways and I mean I threw it in four wheel drive could not move he tried pulling me out I could not move no matter what we did to try and get me out the opposite was actually happening I was getting more and more stuck in my situation the harder I tried the more stuck I get until this said youth I've probably revealed who it is now But this said youth goes, gets Lyman's tractor This big old tractor I don't know tractors, but it was big and green and powerful And we tied on and that thing finally got me out And the reason I open up with that Is because as we look at our passage this morning We're going to be in Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 44 And as we look in our passage this morning We are going to see a woman who was stuck not stuck in mud, but she was stuck with a physical ailment. And we are told that no matter how much she tried to get out of it, no matter how much she tried to get unstuck, to find healing, she was unable to do that, so much so that it actually made her worse and worse until she met Jesus. And so we're going through the life of Christ right now as we're continuing on. And the goal behind all of these is for our hearts to just desire Jesus more. That we as a body of believers here will just grow in our love and relationship for Jesus. That we will see what he did. This is going to follow along Craig's meditation fairly well that we will see the price that he paid, what he did for us, and that we will, as a response of that, not just be like, okay, cool, but that we will be like, God, I need you. I want you more. So we're gonna be in Mark chapter five. If you'll join me, we'll go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into God's word. So Father God, we just come before you. And God, again, we thank you that we can gather together. And God, we have so many people who have just surrendered their lives over to you. And God, we have some younger believers. God, we maybe have some people here who have not given their life to you. And so I pray no matter what stage in our walk with you we are in today, that you speak to us that we see who you are, and therefore, God, that as the goal of this is, we grow in our desire and our longing for you. As David said, as the deer panteth for water, God, may our souls long after you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so if you're following along in the readings, right before this, what happened is Jesus went over the sea of galilee and he was in the garrison region and he has just cast out this demon and now he comes back over and upon arriving back on the shore in israel he is just approached by this massive crowd i mean like jesus's popularity is growing even as he performs miracles and he tells people Don't say a word about it to anybody. Everybody's going off and they're like, let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me. And so he arrives back on the shore. And right as he arrives, Jairus, the synagogue ruler comes before him. And he says, my daughter is dying. Please come heal her. And so Jesus agrees. And he is walking along. And that's where we pick up in Mark chapter five, verse 24. Where where it says, and he being Jesus went with Jairus and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. I mean, look at this woman's condition. Here she is, and she has been in this cycle of bleeding for 12 years nonstop. According to the Levitical law in Leviticus chapter 15, we are told that if somebody, if a woman has a flow of blood, that anything she sits on is to be declared unclean. And so if anybody else would sit on that, they too would be unclean. And this is to go on for the continuation of the flow. And so for 12 years, this woman has had this flow. So everywhere she goes, everything she sits on, everything she's touching, anybody that has an encounter with her is unclean. And so in a time where ceremonial cleanliness is like of the utmost importance because that meant relationship with God and relationship with other people, this woman is an outcast. For 12 years, she has not been able to be in a relationship with people, not just in intimacy, but even in proximity. She is an outcast. And we see there that it says she spent all she had to try and get better. But she didn't get better. Instead, she got worse and worse. She grew sicker and sicker, and she lost all her money trying to find healing. So she's socially separated. She's spiritually separated, uh, separated. She's relationally separated and she's just getting worse and worse. The harder she tries to find healing, the worse and worse she gets. Now her condition is a physical one. But what we also see in this is her physical condition is the same as our spiritual condition. Just as she was physically hopeless, We too were spiritually hopeless, that we were dead, that we were separated from Christ. We were alienated from God. Ephesians chapter two tells us these things, that we had no hope and we were without God in this world. We were utterly hopeless. Oh, but you know, you think in your head, nah, I wasn't hopeless. I mean, I was pretty bad, but I just tried harder. That's how I got where I'm at. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. This woman tried that. She was like, okay, I'm going to try and make myself better. I'm going to go and I'm going to seek other people to find healing. She was not able to. So many people are trying to do that spiritually. Some people go to a drink. Oh, the pain of this world, the sickness of this world. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to drink my sorrows away. I'm going to go to some substance. I'm going to try and remove myself from. From here and now, just to wake up and repeat the same process over and over, not truly finding healing. Some people try and find healing through work. I'm just going to apply myself a little bit more. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to earn a name for myself. And then whenever I am known as that hardworking man, then people will appreciate, people will respect me. But yet, it's a continual pit that you just keep digging yourself into. Maybe you look for it in relationships. Maybe you look for it in the possessions that you buy. Whatever it is, every single one of us has that thing that is our default go-to of this is what I'm going to run to. That uh, if nothing intervenes, we're just going to try and seek that out and find our healing through that. But the problem is, the more and more we go to it, the more and more it just digs us in this pit. That is, that's actually the definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over and expecting a different result when you're only going to have the same result over and over. I don't know why every time I go and get drunk, I make really dumb decisions and then I wake up with regret, but I'm going to try that again tonight thinking it'll be different. I don't know why, but I sacrifice time with my family at the altar of work and finances and being able to build things. And I don't know why my family life is not improving, but I'm going to keep doing this. The more and more we try, the more and more it digs us into a pit. And no matter how hard you try, you just dig deeper and deeper. And so that's what happened with me on that night. We dug deeper and deeper and it was like, oh my goodness, my, my truck is gonna be a new decoration in this pond. We need something bigger to get us out. And that's what this woman realized. She had used up all hope. She was utterly hopeless, except for one thing. This is found in Mark chapter five, verse 27, continuing on, she had heard reports about Jesus. She had heard of the healings. She had heard of the lives that were being changed. She had heard about the reports of Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. And she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. So here this woman tried everything and it was not working. And then she was like, wait a minute, I heard about this guy and he's casting out demons. He's making the blind to see. He's raising the dead to life. Maybe he can heal me because I have no other option left. And she's even like, maybe all I have to do is touch the fringe of his garment. The woman in her desperation reached out to Jesus. She saw that she needed something in this world greater than herself to help her. And so she was desperate and she was like, I'm just gonna try and touch his garment and see if that brings healing. Notice she didn't come with proper theology. She didn't think, all right, first I gotta understand everything about this Jesus and I gotta make sure I say the right things to him before he will heal me. She just said, if only I can touch him. And she went out and touched him. She came in her brokenness and she found healing. She came just realizing there is nothing in me that can heal myself. I'm going to go and find the one who is only able to do it. I'm broken, but I'm seeking healing in only the way that, she, that, that Jesus can. Notice how she comes also. So often we get caught up in how do we come to Jesus? Oh, it's gotta be this grand spectacle. It's gotta be this amazing thing. No, she comes trying to keep it secret. She comes thinking, I'm gonna work my way through the crowd. Jesus is gonna walk by. And if all I have to do is reach out and touch him, I'll be able to find healing. I'm not announcing it to the crowds. I'm not doing anything. I am trying to come privately and find healing. But she came in faith. She came in faith that Jesus was the only way that she could be healed. Now, the thing is, whenever you read that word healed in Greek, I know we're all Greek scholars here, but whenever you read the word healed in your Bible, the Greek word behind that word is sozo, which is the exact same word that they use for saved. So again, also, now we're talking about the spiritual side. This woman came looking for physical healing. And we come looking for spiritual healing. We come looking for salvation. We come looking to be saved from our brokenness, from our sickness, which is sin. That we have tried to not do the same thing over and over, and it has not worked. And so it's like, all right, there's there's this one that I've heard about. His name is Jesus. And so I'm going to go. And it doesn't have to be the right understanding of everything about him. I am going in faith that he is the only one that can heal me and save me. And so I'm going to come to him. And notice the time frame in verse 29 of when the woman was healed. It says that she reaches out, touches him, and immediately the flow of blood dried And she felt in her body that she was healed. It wasn't a, I'm gonna touch him. Okay, now I gotta go take this medication five times a week and I gotta make sure that I eat properly and I gotta make sure all these other things and then maybe I'll be healed. It was, I'm coming, I'm touching and immediately she was healed. That when we come to Christ, And we come realizing, Jesus, you are the only hope that I have in this world. I have tried all your warnings, and they have proven true that I am not able to be fulfilled by living the way of this world. And so now, God, I'm just going to come trusting your promises. I'm going to come trusting you are who you are. I'm coming in faith that you are the only one that can give me healing. When we come and do that, immediately we're saved. It's not a, okay, God, I'm gonna come to you and I got 90% saved, but now I have to go and pay this much money, pay my dues, I have to go and attend so many services and eventually then I'll get healed. It is you come to Christ, you come in your brokenness, you come seeing he is the only hope you have. And in that moment, he heals you, he saves you. He is longing for us, to do it when we come to jesus for healing we receive it immediately there's no process to it it is what christ does and just us coming in hearts before him but some of my favorite parts of the story are still in verse 30 through 32 where it says jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him immediately turned around in the crowd and said who touched my garments And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. Jesus is on this mission, a pretty important mission. He's got this kind of popular person, the ruler of a synagogue, Jairus, whose daughter is dead, has come to him and said, Jesus, will you come heal my daughter? Jesus says, yes, let's go. He's got a mass of people around him. He is like, popularity status number one right now and yet as he's walking this woman reaches out and touches him and he stops and he turns around those are my favorite words in this story jesus turns around and he looks for the woman here she did this thing privately and jesus could have just kept on walking she was healed he could have done his part. She reaches out, touches him. He's healed. She goes back into oblivion. He keeps on walking, doing the, you know, quote unquote, more important work. But instead, he's walking. Everybody's touching him. Everybody's coming to him. He notices her. And he stops. And he turns around and he looks for her. Because Jesus isn't just looking for to heal the woman and move on. He's looking to seek her out. You know, there are eight, how many people are in the world right now? I think 8 billion. Some That number could be wrong. I'm not a statistician. Let's say there's 8 billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. All or a majority or even a minority offering up prayers to God. If you all started yelling one thing at me all at one time, Different things, I'm not hearing a word of what you guys are saying. I'm going to hear a whole lot of clutter, but that's not how God is. So often we can get in the mindset, oh, God's just too busy. Oh, you know, God doesn't have time. He's got more important things to worry about than my needs. Notice what Jesus did with this woman. He stops, turns around, and looks for her, saying, you're important. What you did in secret, I want to bring to public. I want to seek you out. I want to connect with you. I want to know you. You see, this woman was a nobody. She, for 12 years, not even a nobody, that might be a good thing for her to be. For 12 years, she was an outcast. She was pretty well known for being the woman that you don't go touch, you don't go around, you don't interact with. She was known for all the wrong reasons. Jesus Is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the most popular man in the world. He is the most, he is the creator of, I mean, I can't even say like how big God is. And yet he finds this woman that is an outcast and he says, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna look for her because he wants a relationship with her. He doesn't wanna just heal her and then send her on her way. He wants to connect with her on a level that she's not been connected with. This is found in verse 33 through 34. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, Jesus saying, who touched me? She came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You know, Jesus was looking for her because he didn't want just to give her that healing. He wanted to give her relationship. The exact same thing Jesus wants with us here today. He's not just seeking to give you salvation and spiritual healing and then be like, all right, go along. I'm on to the next big thing. But instead he says, you know what? I want to connect with you. I want to save you. I want to heal you. I want so much more for you is not just to save you from hell, it is to enter you into relationship with him. You are, when you place your faith in Christ, adopted into the family of God as children of God. That's the relationship God wants with you. Not just a, good, I'm healed, now I'm gonna go back and do the same thing that I kept doing, just doing it healed. It's like, no. Enter into this new life with me. Enter into this new relationship with me. Because think if you're this woman for a moment, 12 years as an outcast, anything you touch is unclean, anybody you touch is unclean, and all of a sudden you touch Jesus, and he stops and says, who touched me? What's going through your head at that moment? Mine's two words. Oh, no, I'm in trouble. I just broke the Levitical law. I just made this rabbi, this holy man, unclean. Is he going to belliger me? Is he going to berate me? Is he going to, I think those words mean yell. I'm getting out of my vocabulary here with bigger terminology. But, you know, what is he going to do? Is he going to embarrass me in front of all these people? Is he going to stone me? But instead, what do we see that Jesus does? He publicly gives her relationship. Remember, she came in private. She found the healing. But then Jesus says, I don't want this to be a private thing. I want to take this public. I want all these people to know where you stand with me. I want all these people to know that you are healed. I want to restore not only your relationship with God, I want to restore your relationship with everybody around you as well. Because he says in verse 34, he said, daughter, The only time he ever called a woman daughter but he looks at her and he says daughter your faith has made you well go and be healed he's giving her identity not based on sickness not based on her 12 years of being an outcast he says no you're no longer unclean you are not even just clean you're my child you are daughter he gives her a relationship one that's greater than any relationship this world can give us. She is a child of God. In that moment, in that immediacy, she was reconnected with God. She was able to go and praise him and worship him. She was able to be with like-minded people. That is what Jesus does for us when he heals us. That is why we encourage it to be public so that you can be reconnected with people. Because sin separates us. That is what sin does. It separates us not only from God, but from people. And so what Jesus wants to do is in your bed, in your house, in the privacy, you can give your life to Christ. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to come forward and say it for that to be the defining moment where it's like, okay, I'm not saved until I come forward. It is that you have one mediator, Jesus Christ. He is the one that is your go-between between you and God. But Jesus says, let's make this thing public. Let's let everybody else see and know where you stand with God, because you know it. But now he's saying, I want everybody else to know as well that you are a child of God. You see this woman, she was seeking healing and she found it. But She had an identity of sickness, and God gave her one of relationship. She touched him, and instead of him, this is what you see when lepers touch Jesus. This is what you see when anybody touches Jesus. Their sickness doesn't go upon him. Instead, his healing goes to them. Every single time, except once. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us this. Verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. The only time anything ever came upon Jesus was when he took on the sin of the world. He took our sin upon himself so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took our sin so that we could take on his healing, his righteousness. His being able to stand before God, as Hebrews chapter 4, verse twelve tells or 16 tells us, with confidence, we can approach the throne of God. Knowing there's nothing in this world that can heal me, nothing in this world that can save me, it is only Jesus. And so we come to Him. This is what Christ wants for each and every single one of us today. He wants to heal us, deliver us from our sickness of sin, but also he wants to enter us into relationship with him. Now, I don't know about you, but it'd kind of be like if you got married and then you were like, okay, cool, we're married. Um, You live all the way over there. I'll live all the way over here and we'll call it good. You're not growing in that relationship. Whereas what Jesus is saying is, I wanna grow in my relationship with you. I wanna grow in my walk with you. I mean, nobody would say we have the perfect marriage. I mean, I'll say Heather and I are pretty stinking close. Joking. It's because she's perfect and I'm not. I bring the, anyways. Um, nobody has a perfect marriage. But nobody says, you know, I, I, well, people do actually say, I'm not going to work on it anymore. I'm content in just a mediocre average marriage. But it's like, man, let's pursue holiness. Let's pursue righteousness let's pursue this walk with Christ that he saved us and so therefore now live in that relationship with him because I I feel like I've not experienced it but if smoking were to give me lung cancer and then I would be healed from lung cancer I don't think I would go back to smoking again being like, sweet, that radiation was fun, that chemotherapy was fun, all the sickness was fun, I think I'm going to go back to the very thing that caused it. But yet, why do Christians think, okay, Jesus saved me from this, I'm just going to go back and keep doing it. No. Instead, let's see what Jesus did for us. He healed us, he saved us, he calls us into relationship with him. So let's walk and grow in our relationship with him. The very thing Jesus did for this woman is the very same thing he does and wants to do for every single one of us. Not just save us from hell, but enter us into relationship with him so that we can look at him and we can say, Father God, and have that connection with him. Father God, we pray that. I ask that if there be anybody here who is still living in insanity of doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, thinking they can help themselves. God, convict their hearts that they see you are the only hope for every single one of us and that, God, you're calling each one of us to something far greater than what this world has to offer. And so I also just pray that for those of us who have found healing in Jesus, that we seek you out more and more. This week, as we look at the clouds, or the trees, or God, whatever it is that you put on our hearts that just directs us to you, may we use those to just draw nearer to you, so that we can just grow in our affection for you and who you are. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.